Thank you for joining me today on Geezers of Gear, episode number 206. Today's podcast is brought to you by Stratum Productions. Stratum understands that successful events hinge on flawless execution. With years of experience in the audiovisual industry, Stratum Productions specializes in providing event planners with cutting-edge solutions that seamlessly blend technology and creativity. From intimate boardroom settings to sprawling conventions, they're committed to delivering experiences that resonate and leave a lasting impact on audiences of all sizes. Stratum Productions truly do stand out above the rest when it comes to event production. To learn more about what Stratum does and who they are as a company, please visit stratumpro.com. And today's podcast is also brought to you by Mainlight. Mainlight is a lighting rental provider who combine the resources of a national company with the personal touch of a local. To achieve that objective, Mainlight is proud to have opened four locations in the last two years. Mainlight is equally dedicated to expanding their rental inventory. They consistently purchase the latest technology in lighting trusts and consoles. From the newest trust solutions to a full array of leading control consoles, your lighting will have the technological support it needs to reach peak performance. They also carry a robust inventory of IP65 rated fixtures, giving you a lighting solution to any outdoor venue, come rain, wind, or shine. From east to west, Mainlight is a partner you can trust with the gear you want. Visit Mainlight.com to connect to reps at locations in Wilmington, Delaware, Nashville, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Teterboro, New Jersey. And, <coughs> pardon me, last but not least, Geezer's Grind. Please visit www.coffeecult.com and search for Geezer's Grind. The reviews are coming in. People love this coffee as much as I do. I'm drinking it right now. It's an amazing, amazing coffee. And the best news is that by ordering it, <clears throat> all proceeds from Geezer's Grind Coffee go to Roby Backstage and support folks in our industry with medical or other challenges. So please visit coffee with a K, cult with a K dot com, coffeecult.com, and search for Geezer's Grind. And I believe if you buy two bags, you get free shipping. So, yeah, enjoy it as much as I do, if not more. Well, here I am. So thanks for joining me again today. I appreciate it. And um, first and foremost, I wanted to see if you have checked out last week's episode number 205 with uh, David Packhouse, who is the guy from, or not from, but the guy that the movie War Dogs was about. Super interesting dude, really great product line. Uh, and just an unbelievable story. I mean, you're not going to hear many stories like this one. The guy literally was an arms dealer, an international arms dealer going to, you know, countries all over the globe selling millions of dollars in guns and, and ammunition to uh, some <laughs> fairly nasty people sometimes. 
uh, all in the name of the U.S. government. So, uh, yeah, just an incredible story. Uh, you know, again, a bit off the beaten path for Geezers of Gear. He's not a production manager. He's not a lighting designer, sound engineer, but he does have an audio company, a sound company, where he's created some incredible products. Actually, a bunch of my friends have placed orders uh, on his website for, for some of his products. Some really cool stuff, but check it out. Episode 205, David Packow's really, really cool episode. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that once again, and this is going to sound like uh, deja vu all over again, but GearSource is launching a new platform this Friday. Believe me, I want to, you know, jump off a bridge just for saying that, but uh, we've had quite a year, and uh, as a result, we are now launching a new platform again, third time in three years. I would tell you that most companies who are in the marketplace business probably launch three marketplace platforms in 30 years. <laughs> we've, we've now done three in three years. Uh, it's going really well. We have an incredible team who are based in Australia and Vietnam who are building this product. Uh, I can't speak highly enough for the work that they're doing. We launch officially on Friday, and um, I would obviously love if everyone listening to this would go there and place an order or add a listing or do something, but uh, we really appreciate the support we've gotten. I mean, it's been, it's been a brutal year, probably the toughest 12 months of my life in the live events industry. And, you know, I'm not whining. Nobody's going to want to listen to me whine, but it has been tough. It's been brutal. And uh, we're getting through it. You know, it's not easy, but we're getting through it. We're getting a lot of help. We're getting a lot of love. We're getting a lot of people who are patient and supportive. And we appreciate that very much. But come Friday, the site is going to be easier, faster. Uh, we've timed things like how long it takes to place a listing and how long it takes to place an order. They're between 40 and 60% faster uh, pages load faster. Everything's faster. We've lightened it up a lot. We've taken away a lot of the dead weight. And, um, so yeah, it's going to be a great platform. We're really looking forward to getting this launched. We're looking forward to spending the next few weeks to get the bugs worked out of it. I promise you there will be some bugs. Um, the platform's more secure. One of the things that a lot of our sellers are going to be very happy to hear is that payments are finally done properly. We've been trying to do this for, three years probably since the beginning of COVID. Um, we want the money to flow completely away from us and directly to the seller. And believe it or not, it's not that easy to do. When you are a global company, uh, the, the main global processor to do this is Stripe. And Stripe doesn't allow these multi-currency pay-ins and payouts and wire transfers that run our business. So it's fine if you're selling you know, a $10 item and people are paying with credit cards. But when you're selling $100,000 sound systems or lighting packages and people are paying by wire and want to be paid out by wire, it's a very different process and it's very incredibly complicated. And I know everyone thinks they can run their business or our business probably better than we can. Maybe you can, but uh, I can tell you it's hard. And so the new system that we have Wires are completely embedded. Um, ACH payments are completely embedded, both for pay-ins and for payouts. Uh, four currencies you can pay out with. We can pay out in U.S. dollars, uh, British pounds, euro, and I forget what the fourth one is, Canadian dollars. Um, we will add more currencies on the payout in the future, Singaporean dollars and uh, some other ones. 
But for right now, it's those four on payouts. And um, I believe it's 14 currencies on pay-ins. So you can pay in whatever your local currency is. And uh, yeah, I mean, and the biggest thing is it actually creates a um, an escrow account. So your money from the buyer goes straight into an escrow, escrow account that only you can receive funds from. So it pays our fee directly to us through a different account. Your proceeds on the sale based on our agreement, whatever it is, uh, your c- proceeds on the sale go directly to an escrow account that is controlled by you. The only thing that we do is trigger when, uh, based on where the sale process is, um, we trigger when that payout can go to you, and that also protects the buyer as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, just all over the place, it's just a better process, better site. It's going to work really well. We're really excited about it. This, I promise you, you know, God willing, this is the last platform that we're going to do for at least five or six years. We're going to exhale for a minute now and, and actually chill out and maybe even, God forbid, make a profit. That would be cool. So, um, yeah, again, I appreciate everyone's support. I've had so many people reaching out to me saying, are you okay? I know it's very stressful. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. You know, honestly speaking, and this is going to sound pretty righteous, but doing the right thing is extremely hard. And this has been extremely hard and will continue to be hard until we completely get it right, which is going to take a few months probably. Um, what else? Uh, you know, rumors, some rumor mill stuff. I've heard a couple of pretty big deals are done. Um, I thought one of them was already public, but I went looking for it and I can't find it. So I don't think it is public unless I've just lost my mind. But uh, from what I've told, Chauvet uh, acquisition is basically complete. It's just in the final stages. Um, and uh, they're probably just being built. I, th- I actually know who they're being bought by. It's a larger private equity company, and um, and I've heard a four-wall deal is Im- imminent. Uh, I've heard that from a lot of staff who have uh, either exited or been asked to exit the company recently um, that, you know, they're in some form of due diligence at this point. And so we'll see. I mean, one thing I can tell you is when deals that big start happening, uh, you know, both of those are fairly large uh, from what I remember Chauvet is something like $600 million or $650 million, $700 million. It's quite a large number. And Forwall, I'm sure, didn't go cheap. But, you know, these are large deals, and that's a sign of some things to come, I think, in our industry. I think 2024 is going to be a bit of a tumultuous, is that a good word? A bit of an interesting year for our industry. And I hope it's a good year. I hope it's tumultuous in a positive way and it just keeps going nuts as it has been the last couple of years. But I feel like, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see some changes. We're probably going to see some more roll-ups. We're going to see some more acquisitions taking place. Um, you know, the biggest problem out there right now is access to capital. And, <coughs> you know, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but interest rates are going up at an unbelievable rate. And I'm not talking about just mortgages. I'm talking about business loans, you know, those lines of credit that companies are using to buy all of these shiny new digital consoles and lighting fixtures and mobile stages and whatever. That money is is costing a lot more money now. And the other thing that's happening is a lot of the private equity or venture capital investors are kind of sitting on their wallets a bit because, <coughs> you know, they're getting five or six percent from the bank 
And so they're like, eh, I think I'll sit on the sidelines for a while here while this thing works itself out. Um, so there's less capital available. There's a lot of unused capital out there. There's a shit ton of money in the world right now that's not being used. Um, but a lot of it is just not in a hurry to be used. And, <clears throat> you know, I speak from personal experience too on that one. So, um, you know, our industry is a very capital intensive industry and it requires a lot of money to make money. And if you don't have access to that money, what's going to happen is you're not going to get some of those bids that are coming along that say, I need the latest, greatest, whatever it is, line array system or digital audio console or lighting fixture that so-and-so just introduced and it's $12,000 per fixture and I need 200 of them, you might not have access to that money. And I mean, obviously, the best of you, the biggest companies with the greatest credit and all of that stuff, you're going to get your money. But um, the 5 to $10 million companies who've always paid their bills and always been good and everything, they've now run out of all the COVID money. They've run out of the access to easy COVID loans and stuff. And now reality is punching us all in the face. It's like, <clears throat> no, you can't, uh, you know, my bank can't lend you money right now. And so it's a, it's a weird time. Uh, you know, I've definitely heard of a lot more layoffs, even from some of the bigger companies out there. I heard Martin uh, laid off some people, um, a bunch of other brands that I've been hearing about laying off people. So it's not good. But, you know, I don't want to be, you know, Nancy negative over here. I want to want to hype you up. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of the news, the economy, the availability money, like I said, new challenges in our specific industry are popping up. So 2024, uh, you know, I hope is going to be an amazing year. I fear that it might be a tough year for our industry. Um, on a happy note, the Parnelli Awards are coming. It's really great seeing all of the people who are being nominated, friends of mine, friends of all of ours, uh, both on the company side, but also individuals, lighting designers, sound engineers, uh, production managers, etc. cetera. Um, I love, you know, that. I love that people get recognized for all of their hard work and effort. And, you know, these people are out talking on Facebook, look what I did. And a lot of times they get a little bit of recognition from that, but they don't get a lot of industry recognition in general. And so it's nice when people are recognized and nominated uh, for these awards. I like it. Um, so that's great. And um, so, yeah, I'm moving on. Sorry for my long uh, chat here, but moving along here. Um, today's guest is actually one of my favorite people. Uh, he's become famous for something very odd, for rolling around with this roller bag through trade shows. And I think 50% of you already know who I'm talking about, but it's a roller bag full of Hawaiian coffee. And he's at virtually every large global trade show. You'll see him at Plaza. You'll see him at LDI. You'll see him at Infocom. And um, I can't even really remember an LDI when I came home without a bag of Hawaiian coffee in my, in my suitcase. Uh, recently, I don't take them from him because until recently, I was using a Keurig machine. Sorry, shame on me. Taboo, I know. But since I got into this Coffee Cult stuff, uh, Jamie, the owner of Coffee Cult, convinced me I needed to get a proper bean machine. And so now I've got this uh, DeLonghi Automatica thing that grinds the beans and turns them into coffee and makes your coffee and does everything. It's a beautiful machine. It changed my life. But um, so now I'm actually going to take Bob up on some coffee at uh, the trade show this year. So 
Anyways, yes, of course, I'm talking about Bob Harmon, probably one of the world's greatest long storytellers. Uh, if you follow him, you'll get his Thursday stories, and they're incredible. I mean, the guy should have written 20 books by now. He missed his calling on that. But anyways, uh, let's go ahead and get Bob on. Hey, Bob. Aloha. How are you? Aloha. That's a fan-freaking-tastic shirt. I feel like i got to go get changed into my Cosmo clothing wardrobe in my closet there. You know? I, absolutely. You know, I kind of remember when these used to be uh, happy hour meetings on the on the Internet. Yeah. And it was later in the day. Now you, now you got me in this, you know, crack of dawn early in the morning getting ready for you. Well, it's late for the rest but of the ahead. world. It's only early for you, you know, you Hawaiian people. Oh, it's amazing That's to true. see you. And, and, you know, it's funny, you talk about the Zoom thing. And uh, um, I was talking to my girlfriend last night, and she said, do you have a podcast this week? And I said, yeah, I've got one tomorrow with one of my favorite people. And she said, who? And I said, Bob Harmon. And she goes, isn't that the Hawaiian guy with the great stories? And I said, yeah, that's him. Cause she would, she would be a voyeur on half of our zoom calls. She'd be there without her camera on like one of those, just the phone number, that's on so the awesome. screen, you know? And uh, so she remembered you from all the calls and your crazy stories and not crazy, amazing stories. I actually want to talk to you about that. Cause Thank you. <clears throat> you know, you're, <clears throat> excuse me. You're literally one of the best storytellers I know. Like there's, there are some good storytellers in our industry, of course. Right. But absolutely, you're, you're right up there, especially written word. You know what I mean? Like you write, I think you missed your calling in a sense. Like you should, you probably should have taken over, you know, Nook's gig or one of these people's gigs at uh, publishing a magazine. Although I'm sure you make more money running a lighting company, but, uh, I, yeah. I do, but I think, yeah. you know, I, well, Nook, Nook is the, person uh, that really got me going and that's uh yeah. that's one of the things during the pandemic i started writing because what else was i going to do and i wanted to write down all the stories i knew before in time time takes them from me you know how that yeah. is yeah so well yeah, uh, yeah i learned i could write you Amazing. still you still remember a lot better than most people though like you know i have some great stories in me somewhere buried below like vodka and tequila and god knows what other substances <laughs> And, sure. uh, I just don't remember them all. Like somebody will say to me, remember that time when we were in, you know, wherever, and we did that thing. And I was like, no, that wasn't me. And they're like, yeah, remember, you know, and, and then like, you know, I mean, if it was today's day, they would just bring out a cell phone picture and go, look, here's proof. You know, yeah. Right. Back then, back then we didn't, uh, thank God we didn't have cameras and most of it wasn't recorded. Although. Kind yeah, I think, that, I think we're lucky for that at times. <laughs> we are, yeah. I mean, I always wonder, you know, that whole Me Too movement and stuff. What if they ever got to our industry? Like some of the, some of the characters in our industry and in the, in the, you know, the musician concert touring industry, like I've seen bad things happen, you know. So uh, thank God that uh, they haven't gotten to them yet because that could, could be nasty. Yeah, let's not go there. No, no, <laughs> let's not. So I was I was mentioning in uh, in the sort of pre thing here, the intro, that um, that you've become famous basically for dragging a, a wheeled bag around trade shows and handing out coffee, and you know it's a pretty incredible sort of branding thing that you've created. 
and like all the cool people from the shows go home with uh you know a bag of and it used to be Kona so I don't I don't know if you've cheaped out because it's you know like the sign of the times or something but it used to be Kona coffee and now it's like some other brand or something right <laughs> I'm just kidding I don't know uh, it's it's all lion coffee I had a friend I had a friend who, who had lion coffee down the street from me and oh, really? um Anyways, it's what I chose to bring because I, I, yeah, I appreciated him and the entrepreneur he was. Yeah. But it was also a way for me, you know, to give away my own awards, if you will. It's people I admire in the industry and it certainly breaks the ice. It lets me just, you know, approach people. Uh, nobody says no. And, yeah. you know, at the same time, it, uh, it's got me a lot, you know, a lot further than I would have gotten it well, had I not. And I really appreciate you. people. You in know, our it's, industry. It's an incredible calling card and, and people Thank remember you. you like, you know, Bob's the guy that gives me coffee every year. I love it, you know? And, uh, honestly, like I was saying on the, on the intro that, uh, you know, I always loved coming home and opening my suitcase and going, Oh yeah, I got a bag of really good coffee. This is amazing. And I love it. I love the lion coffee and, the and the original one I think was Kona coffee or something. Um, but I love it. I think it's fantastic. And like I was telling you, I think last year at LDI, you know, I've been well, using I've been using Keurig coffee makers, God forbid. And so I've turned it down the last couple of times right, you right. offered it to me. And uh, but now I'm back to a better coffee maker. So I might take you up on it this year. No problem. Should I be lucky enough to see you? And you'll see me this year. Good. Good. I, th I believe you will. Yeah. Why was it last year when you like flew in on Friday night and left like Saturday morning or something insane? Oh yeah, it is pretty insane this year as well. I'll be, I'll be doing a, a show for our, uh, the Kamehameha schools is a big, big property here. Um, and it basically teaches the native Hawaiian kids. Uh, yeah, you have to have that in your ancestry or you can't attend. But oh. it, once you go there, it's like prep school for college, and uh, they're going to take care of you and get you uh, where you should be in life. And uh, cool. it's an amazing program. It'll be broadcast for television, a uh, couple hundred moving lights. And I think I'll finish that show, and two hours later, I'll be on a plane to Vegas. Oh, Jesus. So we'll see how this works. W was it last year, or was it the <laughs> year before when it was like just an insane schedule where... I think you were there for like six hours or something crazy. Yeah, I was there for a day, the LDI yeah. for a day. Yeah, that was nuts. That's a lot of flying for one day of LDI. Indeed it is. Yeah, you're a masochist. So uh, what's news? Like, I mean, I, I literally probably haven't spent much time talking to you since COVID. One of the things people may or may not know about Bob and and eggshell and Hawaii in general is when we went through all of this COVID stuff and we were doing the Zoom calls every week. Uh, you're such a nice guy, so you never whined about it. But you had it so much worse than everybody else, like just more nearly a year longer. Oh my gosh, longer, harder, worse. Like you know, when people were allowed to do shows for 50 people, you were allowed to do a show for three people and stuff like that. It was just, it was just terrible. It was terrible. But like I said, you never really whined about it. 
you know, we, we've come such a long way because I remember we'd actually wash our food after we bought it at the supermarket, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, yeah. how extreme that was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you'd be locked down for two to three weeks if you got COVID. And I think now it's like five days and test and make sure you're good. And yeah, it's just not the same world it was. No, no. Uh, you know, again, I, I mean, I think it's something that we'll tell grandkids or you know future young people or whatever we'll tell them about this and they'll be like nah you're kidding me man that ain't true you know it's it just seems so bizarre what we've gone through and it almost seems like it didn't happen although i don't know that i'll ever forget that you know it was it was wacky yeah i hope we never see anything like it again but yeah never know i mean hawaii does have it's, it's a beautiful place and we are a speck in the ocean the crossroads of the Pacific. Yeah. A lot of people don't don't realize how the middle we are. It's six hours to fly to California. It's seven hours to fly to Japan. Yeah. And and seven That's more to, to go vertical and go to Alaska. So we're just kind of out here by ourselves. Yeah. In paradise. <laughs> how's how's Maui doing now? Like after everything obviously that they went through with the fire. It's going to be an interesting thing. I mean, there were so many things that, that fell apart during that. Um, you know, they've had wildfires and, and the like before, but they've never had this uh, onshore wind gale forces. They basically, you know, they, the way they usually take care of this is they pick up, you know, ocean water and they dump it and put the fires out. But they yeah. couldn't get the helicopters in the air. And wow. that was the first thing that was devastating. The, sec the second was a, kind of a fight between um, firemen saying, uh, you know, what, what's happening here? The hydrants aren't working. Turn the power back on. And the power guys knowing that bro broken lines were causing fires. So yeah. it was just a, there's a lot of discussion and blame to go around. And I'm sure there's going to be things that come out of that. Well, there's already what a lot of people, people don't know lost their jobs and stuff too, right? Like I didn't the big emergency guy or whatever lose his job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As he should. What were you saying? A lot of people yes. don't know. Yep. Have I frozen on you? Yeah. You keep sort of freezing in and out. I, what, what a lot of people don't know is that. Right. I wonder if you should pause for a second and I'll reconnect. Sure. Okay. We're back. We're back. Bob, Bob has renovated his internet solutions. We'll try it. See yeah. how that works. That looks good. Um, but what it was, we were talking about the fires over in Maui, and what a lot of people don't remember or know is that um, commercial property was only nine percent of what is gone. We all remember, you know, the Front Street. We remember, you know, dr drinks on Front Street and the great music that was there, the unbelievable right. uh, Bohemian stores that were there. But that's only a minor amount of what went away. Yeah. Over 90% were houses and families that have been there forever. Um, luckily, our early numbers were that thousands and thousands of people had perished. It's, um, it's wrong to say luckily, but it's down to a, you know about 100 now. Oh. So it's, it's concerning, but it's not well, it certainly quite the looked extreme it looked like it was going to be much worse when you see people jumping in the ocean, you know, to get away from the fire and stuff, True. expecting very high casualty numbers, you know? So yeah, yeah well, I they had heard that, that it's gone down to a hundred. So 
like you said, you know, anything more than zero is is tragic, but uh, it's certainly a lot less than the thousands that they talked about. Yeah, certainly so. So what do but all these are, displaced uh, people do? Like, I mean, it's Maui. It's not like, you know, you can just go rent apartments in New York City or something, you know? Well, that's kind of an interesting thing. Some of the hotels are actually where they're staying. Um, oh, wow. Uh, the There are hotels that are beyond uh, Lahaina uh, in the Kapalua area and the like. And I think they're they're going to have a tougher time of it, you know? Yeah. Generally, when people come for conventions and that kind of thing, it's you know, to celebrate how good we're doing and to to get there by driving through Lahaina is not all that appropriate to that end. Yeah. So the other hotels, the Wailea area and the like, uh, is very busy. We just did uh, Tony Robbins. Oh, really? In Wailea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doesn't he have like a huge property over there somewhere in Hawaii? Uh, most celebrities do. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. No, but I thought he had like a place where he actually does meetings and events and stuff where he invites people there. I don't know. Maybe I'm hearing something wrong in my head. I know uh, Wiseman's headed over there. He goes over every year right around the time of LDI. Everybody goes to LDI. Wiseman goes to Maui. Makes sense so, to me. Yeah. He said, I asked him <laughs> if the house that he normally rents, because he rents the same house every year too. And I asked him if it's still there, and he said, yep. So he's going back to the same place, which is good. I haven't been to Hawaii in so great. long. I need to get there. I love Hawaii. You have, to come, you have to come for our 50th next year. It'll be, I'm sure, a blowout celebration. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you about that because that's outrageous. Uh, you know, I mean, for a business in our industry to survive to 20 years is is generally incredible but when you told me that next year is your 50th year so what is that 1974 then right you started 1974 wow yeah that is wild at at what yep. like seven years old or something right bob i was 16 <laughs> yeah. i was 16 yeah but i was a spray 16 yeah but the uh the show the first show i did was um brewer and shipley the ballad of a country dog one took over the line and that was their two big hits and they were at the university of hawaii and uh, some people know some people don't that uh my brother in california had psychedelic lighting you know, like okay. oils on the walls kind of stuff right and it, somehow i got into the film side and i had movies and i and my first business i started when i was 13 and i was showing films in a pizza parlor i remember and, that uh, yeah, and so that that was great, you know, at 13 years old, wearing the straw hat and the uh, the suspenders, and I was a cute-looking kid. And yeah. uh, by by 16, my interests had changed some, you know, and I was, you know, girls were out there, and there's places to go and hanging out with my buddies. And somebody said, "Where did you get these films?" And because I used to show them at my brother's oil shows, I said, "Oh, I got them from a lighting company I used to work with." And he went, "Really?" You do lighting, and I went well. Yeah, I mean, not that I had any any gear. Right. And the guy, the guy goes, "Oh, that's 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 kismet," and that's the first time I'd ever heard that word. Yeah, I kismet. You know, okay, destiny. And I and I said, so I'm kind of taken aback. And he quickly he explains, and he goes, I, "I'm a promoter, and I just did uh, Diodato at the University of Hawaii, and it was raining, and the guy that I had helping me with lights, well." 
the, the wires were glowing red during the performance and it was raining on them at the edge of the tent. And Diodato said, you're never doing another show. I'll make sure of it, you know? Wow. And uh, I have a show this weekend. Can you, can you do it for me? And I'm, yeah, yeah, we could do that. And so I had to go build a lighting rig. And I'm sitting there going, how am I going to do this? Yeah, you know? what, what, but, but, you know, my, my, my parents were entrepreneurs and they, if they taught me anything, they taught me that no doesn't exist. You yeah, just do. Say yes. Say you know? yes and figure and out. Exactly right. So, yeah. so I knew I needed lights and that was the easiest because I had always uh, helped out the drama department and there were some lights to be had there. And there was a TV department, black and white in our, in our high school of all places. And I was able to borrow a couple lights there. But the, uh, the intercom was kind of an interesting trick because frankly, not only do we not know what to say on them because we'd never done a show before, but we also needed it. We knew we needed them. So we took a Marshall amp and we got it hooked up and uh, a buddy of mine, uh, we got headsets from the foreign language department and, and my buddy yells from the other room and we're two days out from the event. And he goes, um, you know, these aren't going to work. There's some kind of circuit in these headsets. And I go, yeah, but the show's on Saturday and we can get it fixed by Monday. We'll, we'll get it going. Wow. So that's the, so we got our headsets and I could communicate at least one way. But I'm still looking in this book and I'm sitting there going, now I got to get these lights in the air somehow. I don't know how we're going to do this. And when I went to school, uh, high school, the overthrow in Hawaii was less than 100 years before. You know, great grandfather and, and mother would, could, would certainly recall these things. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was rough at that time. Um, you know, I went to public school. I don't regret it at all. It, it certainly got me places. And of course, getting into doing lighting in the music industry got me other places, too, within that Hawaiian hierarchy. But we'll come back to that story. Yeah. So anyways, so I need the, I need these towers and I'm flipping through a book and. He's, uh, this this group of local local guys comes in, and they're they're just uh, playing around and stuff. And now there's two lines in the cafeteria that come to here, and then they converge toward the center, where you're going to pick up your food and come back out and eat it. Those lines are defined by two inch pipe that is between poles, uh, that is about eight or ten feet between them, and so. They're just lining up on it. These these kids are lining up on it and goofing around. And well, I think they got the pipe loose a bit. It starts to, to move some. And so the next bigger guy clears them out and uh, and kind of throws his weight on that pipe too. And you know he's got it almost moving. And the leader, you know, who was on the football team, and uh, you know, in in high school, let's see, the leader in a football team might be three. 250, 300 pounds. I mean, these are big kids. Mm-hmm. And he throws all of his weight on it, and the pipe immediately bends, the bolts fly out of the wall, and it clanks to the floor. And all the other kids are going, oh, my God, they're going to beat us with pipes. Yeah. And I didn't, because all I could think is the word kismet. Uh, this is my opportunity. I need these pipes. Yeah. And so I went up to the biggest guy, you know, and he's kind of like, really taken aback that I've just gone straight to him and said, I need these pipes, but these bent ones won't do me any good at all. You know, $2 each, I'll give you a nod and let's, let's gather these up. 
and you know, but I want you to be in command so they line up properly so the pipes will stay straight. Yeah. And they, uh, they they jump up and they throw their weight on these pipes. The bolts flew out of the wall, clanged to the floor, and we loaded them up. And that's going to become the crossbars for how I'm going to hang lights. That's crazy. And I took that with some forklift pallets and mounted uh, mounted it. So now it's standing up, um, but it's it's pretty you know wobbly. So because I've been on catamarans, I've got spare parts, and so we added guy lines to it. So that helped somewhat. But after you got the lights up there, it was still top heavy, and so I had to borrow people's spare tires. We stacked the spare tires on the oh pallet first, God. and then we ran these lines up to this thing. And uh, somewhere, uh, I think it was the Toyo Theater went out of business, um, and I absconded with these um, auto transformer dimmers. You might remember them. They have like giant yeah. steering wheels for every one. Yeah. So yeah. I've got four channels, and I've got four of these wheels. So a crossfade is like that, oh, you know, wow. red to blue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I've got four yeah. of these going, and we did, we actually did this show. And the only thing I couldn't fake was the uh, follow spots. So we rented those yeah. and I had two kids on them. We, we, they ran them and uh, the promoter runs up to one of my spotlight friends, Kaysen, and he goes, uh, I can't believe you kids pull this off. Oh my God, I'm so indebted to you. And, uh, but you got to tell Bob, these guys, I think they're going to come out and do an encore. Now, I'd never done a show before, so I didn't know what an encore was. And of course, he's speaking into, into his headset that he's wearing. And uh, oh, I didn't tell you that the Marshall amp fell out of the truck on the way over the hill to do the show. <laughs> so there was no connection whatsoever. Did. Didn't matter because, you know, all I did, told my spot operators is I wouldn't know what to tell you anyway, guys, but I know you have to look really important and stare at the stage a lot very intently. And that's what yeah. they did. Oh, and of course, God. he's started repeating this promoter saying, you know, don't let him tear down. He's unplugging things. And he eventually just grabs the headset off Kaysen's head and he goes, well, he'll listen to me. You know, I'm the promoter. Yeah. And he puts that headset on and I'm obviously not reacting at all. Yeah, yeah. And he follows the wire down and he sees this, you know, this <laughs> empty XLR. Dangling. This hanging in midair. <laughs> That's hilarious. Damn. It, it cost me half the $300 I charged for the entire gig. Are you kidding? But I did. No, I, well, yeah. So I made $150. We were thrilled. And that was show one. You probably spent it all on beer. <laughs> well, maybe. Do. Yeah, as you do. Well, drinking age was 18 back then. And so you were 16. Anymore. Yeah. Well, just an echo away. Yeah. I, I will tell you, by the way, because I had friends in the industry, the first time I'd ever snuck into a bar and the first time I'd ever been kicked out of the bar was uh, I was with some friends and they were musicians and they were playing and they said, well, so kid, what do you want? I'm trying to think I'd never really actually ordered a drink in a bar, but I, you know, I'd certainly seen James Bond movies and I, I need to sound really sophisticated. Like I do this all the time. Um, I'll take a gin on the rocks. No ice, please. Yeah. <laughs> I was immediately thrown out. Yeah, friggin' genius. That's hilarious. Gin on the rocks, no ice. No Hold ice. The ice. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so, I mean, did you decide at that show, like, this is it? This is what I'm going to do with my life for the next 50 years? 
Well, you know, it, it certainly crossed my path. And because I did do that show, we asked, we were asked to do several more. And a year later, with the first um, money I'd actually ever borrowed, and I think you and I had a conversation about this, that one of my neighbors, he was a child's pediatrician and a child's dentist, and he loaned me $60,000. Yeah. And uh, I gave him one third of my business till I could pay him back. And that's well over a quarter million today. Yeah. And uh, uh, I was 16. Yeah. And within that's a year, I, we, we did Lighting for Kiss on their yeah. maiden uh, run through Hawaii. That's really, really incredible. That's such a cool story. You know, and, and so the reason, part of the reason you're bringing this up is, you know, obviously next year is 50 years for eggshell lighting. So was it called eggshell in the very beginning? Um, somewhat. I'd kind of, well, it actually started because at the time we were freighting equipment back then, there really wasn't a freight department. Freight and baggage were the same people. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, the guys who handled baggage when they'd see road boxes now finally showing up because they're getting to be popular in our business, they would take a walk and go away because this is serious work now. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I'm going to go back to the, uh, the baggage handling guys. Uh, you know, uh, you guys, you guys got this. Yeah. So anyways, um, I had a friend of mine, he's much older and he was, he was in his, I think early forties. And again, I'd never shipped equipment out of islands in my life. Yeah. And I'd been given an opportunity to go for the first time. And I, when I went to the window, which overlooked the airplanes coming in and out, um, there's this guy. His name is Randy Nutt. And, and Randy, I, I said I needed his help, told him my dilemma. And he said, look, kid, I'll take care of you. I just got to receive my, my soundboard, my brand new soundboard. You know, I paid $20,000 for that thing. And I just did my first show in Maui with it. And we both watched with great pride as the door opened on the side of the airplane and his board falls out of the airplane no. to the ground and shatters. The case is just toast and there's nobody there in response. He's now fit to be tied and swearing a, a sailor's tune. And he's just yelling at him, what the, are you gonna do about this? And they handed the insurance papers, like it was just matter of fact. And yeah. they then they turned their back on it, went back into the corner to smoke cigarettes. And, and so now I'm terrified. You know, and but they uh, they come to me and they go, so kid, what's in your cases? And I said, eggs. There's ah, eggs in our case. That's hilarious. And while this guy's filling this his paperwork out, unbelievably, these guys are carrying all my my steel stuff onto the onto the airplane with no connection to what it is, but it's it's eggs. Ah. And unbelievably, uh, for the next six months. Our equipment, well, was marked perishable. It would bump baggage. Oh my god! It went. It went. Air uh, air freight was subsidized at seven cents a pound, and as I say, really? it, yeah, it was it was just unbelievable. It would get anywhere we wanted, and so that was uh, really a train to run for ride for a bit. And then one day I'm sitting there going, "Look, guys, I'm looking for a dimmer rack. You know, it's about I don't know about this high and about you know about that wide and and they went, oh, you're the egg guys. Yeah. So it's like a refrigerator, right? And yeah. I said, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a refrigerator. Yeah. And 
he comes out of the out of the back room out of the deep freeze and he's got a forklift and the rack is like sweating because it's it's 85 degrees and it yeah. came they took it out of the freezer so it's like dripping water down the sides oh my goodness. and and i turned to this guy who's obviously 30 years older than me and i said look you know look son it's a joke right you know that this is the eggshell light company and there it was that's wild you know, I don't think you've ever told me that story. I had no idea. <laughs> that's that's an incredible story. I love that. Eggs. And so they, eggs. they handled eggs your equipment days. so carefully from then on. That's amazing. And the seven cents a pound or whatever. That's so <laughs> funny. I love it. That's a great story. So that was how early, though? That was like within a few months of you doing your first gig or a year later or like, what was your lighting company called when you did the first gig? Or was it just Bob Harmon's lighting guy? Uh, it was pretty much Bob and his buddies at that point. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it, it, was the, it was the first freight inner islands that that was. And that would also turn out to be, uh, well, that was George Carlin. Uh, we went to Maui to, to Lahaina to do a show with George Carlin. Oh, and wow. I think that really opened my eyes. You yeah. Know, the, uh, we had household dimmers that, you know, I had electronic guys from electronics class and they hopped them up with 40 amp tracks. So that they ran 2000 Watts on each one. And, uh, you know, I think I had, I had a box and it, I, Oh, you know what, that, that was where the Marshall went. We went back and got the, uh, Marshall amp. The amp was toast, but we used the empty case and mounted these, these four dimmers across in it. And, uh, actually I think it was six. Because I'd, I'd worked out a way in one of these shows, I, I would take a ruler and, you know, since I liked, liked old movies, uh, and I'd watch the general Buster Keaton. And I remembered that the, the pictures of the locomotive, in the side of a locomotive, there's a, an armature and it's like, you know, driving each of the steel wheels. And I realized, wait a second, I could run, a, uh, if I put drill holes into these rotary caps of household dimmers, uh, then I could put sc small screws in it and I could use a bar and I could make presets by capturing the holes into the ruler anyways. So I did, we did this show with George Carlin and it was just nuts. And, uh, and I got to travel with him to and from the airport. He would just get, the only thing on stage would be a list of, it wasn't really even a set list. It was a handwritten thing. And there would be, at least a dozen or 18 different things, you know, uh, the, the seven words, the infamous yeah. seven words and uh, shortness and all these things that would just trigger. He didn't need anything more than that. He didn't need a, a teleprompter. Yeah, it wasn't. And he scripted. thought it was great. It was just just like highlights. Right. Just like reminders. Exactly. Remember to talk about balls, you know, or whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's hilarious. so. The, so, what he really liked. I mean, I need to find this. And man, could um, that guy go on rants too? Like unbelievable. Oh my rants. gosh! Yeah, loved it. So, so he fell in love with our shirts, and oh, really? our shirts had had the early. Hang on a second. Pause me for a sec. I'm gonna find All this. All right, one. pausing. Sorry. All right, we're back. We took a little break because Bob had to trick me into figuring out how to work this software so here we are we actually have a picture on the screen so who's this this is george carlin this is 
I'm still in high school. This is our shirts. He saw us wearing them. We did this show in the Outer Islands with George Carlin over in Lahaina. And he thought we were just gonzo and, and unbelievable. And he, he saw this shirt that we all had made. They were silk screened. And he goes, you know, guys, I've got to get one of your shirts. And I said, well, we, I just made enough for the crew. And uh, one of my younger guys uh, says, well, you know, started taking the shirt off his back. And I said, wait, 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 George, you you need to promise to wear this tonight on stage. That's and without, without a, a question, he did that. Now, I, he didn't sign it that day because obviously back then pictures were developed and time passed. Yeah. And 20 years later, I would meet up with him and I, and I showed him this picture of him backstage at the shell and he goes, oh my God, I love that shirt. You know, I wore that sucker out, you know, That's and uh, he signed it for my crew and the like. And it, back then, you know, in 74, there's, you know, this young upstart lighting company was being, being worn by the talent on the stage and I would hear no end of it. That is absolutely awesome. Hang on, let me, what's the next picture you want me to bring up? Because you gave me a bunch um, of them. Yeah, let's go to the one right above. Actually, actually, um, let's just dump the picture for a sec. Get ready to bring up the second one, though. I'm, I'm going to tell you the story first. Okay, hang on. Let me get rid of this one. You seem to have frozen a little bit. I did? Yeah, there you go. Oh. All right, so I'm going to tell you over my shoulder, right there, I can't make it any bigger, but up there right behind me is the Sunshine Festival. This is... Diamond Head Crater, which was a big deal in the 70s. We would have concerts there all the time. And uh, once a year, actually, it would be 4th of July and for New Year's Eve. Let me see if I can duck out of the way a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they were unbelievable. Gosh, Journey played there. Um, Flo and Eddie played there. Uh, a lot of great talent. But at that point in time, they really didn't have any lights. And, and, you know, we were a young lighting company and we just wanted to attend this, particularly if we could get backstage. Yeah. So I had a friend of mine, his name was Bob Payton. He was the production manager. And um, someplace, I'll just say, we can't, I had to come across a couple of street lights. And I mean, when we're talking these giant, big halogen, you know, 1500 watt massive bulb things. And, uh, and I said, Gosh, when you guys are finishing up on the main stage, the second stage, which is all these local acts, is it's going to be pitch dark. And, uh, you know, you really need us to do lighting for that. And he goes, fine. Yeah, you should help those guys out. But uh, just stay away. Don't, don't, get, don't go to the main stage backstage. Whatever you do, don't talk to Ken Rosine. He's, he's the promoter. I said, Ken Rosine, who's that? And he goes, nobody you want to meet. And, you know, we did our thing and we, we set those lights up and we were getting hungry and we, we didn't really have passes. We were brought in, you know, behind backstage to go set this up. So we go searching around and, uh, and I see people coming out of a, a backstage stage trailer and we go, oh, and they have food. And we went, ah, this must be crew meals. And so I, we charged them there and, and had our fill and, Nobody really noticed that we were there yet. And in the, in the distance, there's this guy. Turns out he was Ken Rosie, and he's the promoter. And he's talking to this really pretty gal. 
and she's kind of short and uh, he's saying she's I don't think we're you're going to be able to go on this year. We've really gotten delayed today, and I was hoping to sneak you guys on. Um, you know, maybe in six months when your record comes out, then then you may, maybe we can just do an official concert or something. And Bob Payton is there, the guy who'd let me in the door, and I kind of stepped around him because he's he'd honed in on us, hear, hearing that we were in the backstage trailer eating food where we shouldn't be. And so he's uh, he's like there, and then I I kind of like pushed him to the side for a second. And I said, "Are are you Ken Rosine?" And and Ken goes, "Yeah." And who who is this kid? And and I said, uh, "Mr. Rosine, I think we could help you. We have two lights, and they're putting lights so that other people can strike the secondary local stage. But give us 15 minutes, I'll bet we could get a couple of poles, and we could stand on the stage left and right. And gosh." Maybe this gal could play. And now you can go to that picture. Oh, my God. They were finishing. No, not that, but we're coming back oh, to that. Oh, oh, oh. Go to the next one. All right, hang on. Let me get this one gone. The next one. I got to figure out it, which is the next one. It's, a, uh, it's, it's You see titles. It's It's kind of a tent picture, and there's a bright light on stage right. It's this one, please. Yes. So if you look really super careful, you're looking at Christine McVie, John McVie, and Stevie Nicks. And this is that incarnation of Fleetwood Mac. And their album, self-titled album, has not come out yet. This is that the first is show crazy. in the United States. And that bright light is, uh, my buddy's on stage left, that bright light is me on stage right, putting the light on these guys. So after dark at the Crater Festival, which is the only time that show went after dark in, in those days. That is and, wild. Uh, yeah. That's wild. I'm sorry for the people listening. This is probably really boring, but <laughs> I'll, I'll try and post the pictures in the podcast or something so you can see them. But yeah, that's super cool. What a great picture. Wow. Yeah, and actually I, I told this story Without that picture, I wrote I wrote it up, and somebody said, "Wait, I've got a photo for you," and they sent that picture to me. Oh wow, that must have blown your mind seeing that picture. Absolutely, yeah. And and that's that. And that that happens, you know. As you write these stories, a you remember more, and yeah. b people come to you with with more background and things that you yeah. either forget or never had that vantage point. Yeah, tell tell me about this picture nook yeah that's nook and that's of course a grandma one um people don't know that when you know before the grandma one there was a scan commander and a light commander at ma lighting that was their uh come back to the selco consoles but the scan commander was one of the first uh lighting boards uh, that they ever did and i was selected among 20 other people i should say 19 because the total was 20 um to go to uh, to Germany, to Paderborn, and to look at mock-ups that would become the Grandma One, and uh, and I think that's partly because we're in Hawaii and there's a lot of different influences here, whether it's from Japan or Korea, and we uh, we represented a, a different batch of lighting directors, so that would become that console, 
That's why I like this picture. But at the same time, he's talking to follow spots and he's done many a story about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, gosh, I, I remember, of course, we know, you know, Nook passed a couple of years ago. And I, and I wrote a story and I'd like to bring this up because it's getting to be uh, the holiday season again. Yeah. And I, and I remember that I uh, when Nook passed, it really affected me greatly. Uh, Nook had been a real push uh, when I wrote things. He would write, read everything I wrote, give me suggestions, and, you know, he was a mentor. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because I, I remember waking up. I didn't have the initial reaction. I saw the flood of and fury on Facebook of people for days. And it took me a while to come to grips with this and, and write a story. And I remember that, you know, I got up in the middle of the night. As This happens when you get older and I have to use a restroom. And <laughs> I'm like it or not, I went to Facebook for a minute because I couldn't go back to sleep immediately. And because a gal had put a like to one of the stories I wrote. What really caught me was the comment of Nook that was right above it. And it took me back. Yeah. And I remembered that he'd been there during all these times and read all these things and, and became a fan. Like I was reading his back page. And then I wrote, because of the season, the holiday season, I remember the impression of meeting uh, Nook when you go to an LDI that he would always stand up. Uh, he wouldn't remain seated. He'd give you a big bear hug. He would smile ear to ear. And uh, he, he, this was kind of his off time of sorts because he'd let his beard get a little, a little bigger. So a bearded <laughs> guy and a little bit of a pot belly and always jolly. And he would laugh with a chortle like Santa. And so at that point, I renamed him Saint. Oh, and I wow. hope he gets remembered that by that, that because one. I love that because that kind of compasses. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, long live St. Nook. Yeah. Amazing guy. I mean, you know, certainly one of the guys that carried a lot of weight in our industry that um, is missed by everyone. Uh, it's it's crazy. Him and I had been talking about doing a podcast for about a year. And he couldn't do it while he was with PL PLSN because, you know, Terry Lowe and I just don't always get along really well. And and uh, so Terry didn't like his guys, his guys going on uh, on my podcast or whatever. So um, but then when when Nook was out of there and when he had finished writing his book, he was like, Marcel, let's do this. Let's get it done. Come on. Let's do this thing. And then he started doing chemo and he was, he, he just kept saying, you know what? Next week, I think my voice is going to be a bit better next week. I mean, mm -hmm. one more week, I think my voice is going to be better. And he kept scheduling the podcast with me and, you know, I couldn't wait to do it. I, you know, Nook like you is an incredible storyteller. And so I really, really wanted to do this. And so did he, but he didn't want to do it with a voice that was unrecognizable. And Got so there it. was there was a little bit of, uh, you know, vanity there or whatever you want to call it. He wanted his voice to sound, you know, the normal raspy, not the new raspy that he had, uh, uh, you know, with the I chemo. I can picture and stuff. that. But, yeah, so it was really sad we never got to it. Unfortunately, his voice never got better. So, 
Bummer. Well, yeah. Yeah. So here, here, anyways, now. yeah, thanks Thank for, for really bumming there. me out now. You know, now I'm really depressed and. Ah. Well, let's, uh, let's go a different way. Uh, let's go look at the picture that is after George Carlin. Well, I hope it's this one. It is. This is my yearbook photo. Oh my goodness. And, uh, it, and, and it's titled Class Clown at the bottom. Yeah, but where this comes sense. from is uh, my father was an entrepreneur. We, he, he had a house or we had a house on the beach in an area called Wanikai. And there's two islands offshore about a mile and a half out. And a friend of mine and I, uh, our fathers would sit so wrapped up in what their day was going to be, be that they were missing this unbelievable sunrise that greeted them every single day. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, we just have to break this up somehow. We've got to bring their eyes back. And uh, I think we, we both said we'd stay over at the other buddy's house. And we gathered up several more friends. And we went out to the Mokalu Islands for the night before. And I, we had come across in, in a, uh, there was a discount section, a, a place called Holiday Mart. And there had these bozo punch clowns. And I just bought one out of, out of fun and humor and we filled it up and oddly, I threw it into the air and we were all kind of like playing around and it landed on the electric wires coming into our house and immediately was there just floating back and forth for an unbelievable amount of time, like 15 seconds or so it was in balance. And then it fell over and came down. Of course, it has sand in the bottom. And we immediately took that, that thing and ran it out to the ocean, grabbed it by an ear, and we threw it out into the, into the water. And those ears would catch the wind. And they would face forward. And the sand would keep it from capsizing. So on that, on that island where all of us buddies uh, were there the night before, we launched about 25 of these oh, across the skyline. So uh, people started coming out of their houses. People, you know, we'd managed to let these go and they would come in so leisurely that we'd managed to boat to the shore to see the reaction. And, you know, parents would be uh, like, oh my gosh, so, there's an, I remember an old man, it's the military. The military is doing something out there. I'm not sure what that is. And eventually, they became obvious they were they were bozo punch clowns, and all the kids uh, that stayed with their parents and weren't going to school yet were now gathered on the beach with family. And uh, my father, which didn't have time because he was an entrepreneur all the time, um, he took the day off that day, and we had a day, and it was because of Bozo Day. That's hence um, the class clown photograph yeah. in uh, in our yearbook. That's fantastic. I love it. All right. The rest of these are different shots. Some of these are shows, recent shows. Uh, the next one down is the 1975, um, who played our Waikiki shell recently. Um, they love playing with you know camera tricks and video feedback, and uh, they they were really impressive, unbelievable show. Interesting. Nice. We can go to we can go to the next one. 
Yeah, you say that um, like it's so easy. You know, here I am trying to figure out how to work this software, and you're uh, going, oh, yeah, go to the next one. Oh, no, go back one. Now go forward. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. I remember this picture. I This was... That's the Waikiki shell, and that's with uh, VL3600s. That's a shot from out in the house uh, yeah. shooting 200 feet away. Uh, oh, wow. to, to you know to get that decor lighting in there, um, and this is a group uh, Cecilia and Capono. It's a local act. Beautiful, um, beautiful yeah, picture. Know. All right, Bob. This is yeah. terrible for radio. We could we got. I know. Yeah, the the picture. Well, are amazing, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. Terrible for radio. But, okay. Well, let's let's uh, can that. But the well, the other pictures are basically um, stuff I had to do uh, pivoting during the pandemic. Because one of the things I realized was I had to diversify my audience, uh, who my clients were. Obviously, concerts were off the books. Nothing was going to happen. Yeah. So I, I found us having to reach out to places that I would not nor normally find work. Yeah. Um, of course, the uh, the U.S. Uh, the the military wasn't closed. Yeah. Uh, and so Pearl Harbor was open. So we we were asked to light the USS Missouri. And so we did that. Uh, we were also asked to light the Iolani Palace, the only palace in the country. And that's actually done with video projectors and with uh, flowers. And the interesting thing about that was during a study, the gal who designed the, uh, the artwork for this, um, she told me this story and said, you know, you got to realize in the 1800s, people didn't buy Hallmark cards with a punchline. They gave each other flowers. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, roses are red, but it went much deeper than that. There were certain flowers you would get to uh, overcome sadness, other ones to uh, give you inner strength. Um, so she had an entire garden in her back in her backyard. And so that's what we projected on the on the surface of Yolani Palace. Um, the other place that isn't affected by the pandemic was the FBI building. The FBI wasn't closed. Yeah. And and um, it was police week, and I got hired to late the FBI building in blue. And that's what that shot is. Interesting. So hopefully people have a chance to see these at some point. Maybe they can look at the recording. But I just wanted to share because you had asked me, so what did you do during the pandemic? And, yeah. You know, you know, in 50 well, I years, what you I've, did every I've been. Wednesday. Yes, you're right you. there. I saw you pretty, pretty religiously every Wednesday. You were. Uh, Indeed. You were one of the people I looked forward to seeing on Wednesday. There were a few people I didn't look forward to seeing on Wednesdays, but, uh, you know. I look back at that warmly. You know what I mean? Like, I look back at that. And you like, should. COVID was horrible, but. Yes. I made some real life friends during that time you know like we that's interesting together, you say that because that's what i wrote too together we just kind of endured you know what i mean we figured out a way to help each other and you know keep people from jumping off bridges and stuff and sometimes we had some good ideas sometimes we had some really stupid ideas speaking you know personally for myself i had some real dumb ones but um you know what it it kept us looking forward to something midweek you know we had something to do on wednesday and that was well, pretty cool absolutely. yeah 
Yeah, it was fun. And yep. I really, uh, honestly, I'm not blowing smoke up your Hawaiian skirt. Your, uh, what are those Hawaiian skirt called? But, uh, uh, you know, your stories, your stories. And, and later on, as COVID matured a little bit, you got into some show and tell stuff that was pretty cool. You've got some amazing, like, antique stuff, you know, just really, really old, cool stuff that you would show. Uh, I'm guessing it's popping out here. <laughs> I got him thinking. Uh-oh. Oh, you, got, oh you mean you mean things like that? So what is the thing that you're showing us right now for people who can't see it? I'm in a distance. Okay, this, thanks for reminding me. This is called a magic lantern. That's a one candle power projector. Jesus. And I don't know if you can see this or not. Maybe. Yeah, I can see it. That's a windmill. Now, you probably remember from your days at Tracomen and the like of selling moving lights. And one of the big things was, oh, my gosh, we have rotating gobos. Yes, yes. And that was the 80s. Well, yeah. that's the 1880s. And that is indeed a rotating gobo of a oh windmill. That's God. all it does is it turn. If you crank this thing, it'll turn the windmill. That's insane. But um, these were used Where in the back rooms. to tell thing? Like, uh, where do you find this stuff? <laughs> well, some of it finds me, but I found that in London. Oh. It's just uh, all the pictures. That, that's the burning bush. Wow. They're all, all these are painted by hand. And with a, uh, a shutter in front, basically a crossfade would be, you know, open this, the, this shutter on this machine and let's crossfade to this one. And wow. you'd use them for stories in the back tents in the 1800s. That was cutting edge. And people were amazed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. That's crazy. I, You know, I want to speak to you about business a little bit. Like, you know, sure. I know you and I, you know, connected on a lot of things where we talked about, you know, some of the real dark things that were going on during COVID and, you know, uh, just how to keep companies alive. Like, you know, it, it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy for you. It wasn't easy for me. It wasn't easy for a lot of people out there. But since COVID, you know, my company is different than most in that we didn't really get a lot of money through COVID. You know, we're not an asset based company. We're more, we're a software based company. So I have a whole different set of problems and dynamics and stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I got real good out of COVID. And then we kind of crashed a little bit when manufacturers started, uh, uh, you know, let's call it getting a little more aggressive when they had excess inventory and stuff. Sure. So they kind of damaged the used market a bit. And, um, but one of the things that I think is becoming a real problem, and I talked about this a little bit in the pre, uh, the intro, is access to capital and cost of capital. And, Probably in Hawaii, you're sheltered a little bit because I'm guessing people there will take what you've got for the most part. Like you don't have to go out and buy the latest whatever, insert name here. Uh, is that true? Yeah, we've, no? uh, we've, we've done a pretty sizable uh, increase to keep up because we realized if we waited till things were comfortable, five or six years would have passed. Yeah. And we do we do a lot of shows. We I, I have on average 12 shows a month wow you know that's that a lot. but that ranges but that ranges from the smallest things to the largest things 
you know, that that is what people, because I get asked all the time, you know, why do you do this? What do you love about this that gives you drive to keep doing this every time? Yeah. And this is just a huge setup and a teardown. Well, it helps that we have crew. This yeah. also uh, come along, and I'll discuss that more in a minute, but staying on topic, um, the reason I love this the most is whether it's a wedding, whether it's a product launch, whether it's a new business opening, a concert, a TV show, um, whatever it is, it's the most important thing they've ever done. Yeah. And they've invited me to represent them. Yeah. And that responsibility is an honor. Yeah. Oh, well and, said. Uh, well said. But but how do you keep uh, up? Like I mean again, like you know, moving light prices haven't gone down. Uh console no. prices keep going up. Everything keeps going up and shows are demanding more and more of it. So what used to be a 60 moving light show now is 160 and stuff like that. Like so yeah, the income goes up, but it's it's at a very different scale like so the income for a show might go up from 50 to 60,000, but the cost of those moving lights went up from a million to 3 million because there's twice as many as well. You know, the math is tough. Like, and again, capital is very expensive right now. Right. Well, it's important to have equipment available to people. One of the things that happened here um was there's a company called young brothers and young brothers does freight to the outer islands and the pandemic happened and like the airport they'd never had a situation where everything stopped yeah and they have you know hundreds probably even thousands of workers and they're all there showing up to work and nothing's moving because at yeah. that point we were all frozen in the headlights yeah and this happened for three months and nearly took Young Brothers out. And they asked uh, uh, whether the state would allow them to increase their prices, and they did by 45%. Jesus. Which made Outer Islands a really tough thing to deal with. Um, cost of freight would just be prohibitive. Uh, so one of the things we did uh, during this time period is now we have a gear that's sitting in Kauai. We have gear sitting in Maui on the Big Island. Now, oh. if you if if you happen to be you know financially well off, and you really want the best of the best, or, or you have like a convention, an artist that demands that, and that's the way they're going to play, then we're going to ship it out of Honolulu anyway. Mm -hmm. But if there's something that comes up quickly, and that happened too, is I, during the pandemic, as we came out of the pandemic things would confirm, uh, confirm very, very late. Yeah. 30 days out, we were getting shows that people decided, yes, let's do it. You know? Yeah. And uh, that, uh, that was something we had to deal with. But by having pockets of, of gear in various locations, that's really expanded our scenario. So do you actually have real estate then on other islands? Like you've got small buildings on other islands or you're just renting space from freight companies or something? How are you doing that? No, I, I, I've got rental uh, space or rental property. I, I own my building in Honolulu. Yeah. Uh, my warehouse here. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I didn't want to end up, you know, we're, we're the first in, last out kind of people. And uh, unbelievably, we have some of the worst traffic in America. So where warehouse space is plentiful and cheap uh, would add hours and hours and hours if something was needed to be added to an event or 
had forgotten for was forgotten yeah. yeah so i had to buy property in order to ensure that we we could work in town and find our but solutions on the, on the outer islands like you know a couple thousand square feet kind of thing absolutely yeah 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 oh, cool that's smart so then, that's really smart i'm i'm sure the rent and and the cost of like you probably have one or two guys there or something and the cost of of keeping a place like that is probably cheaper than the freight for one show well and it also opens a door because yeah. if if people haven't done shows before the first thing they, they want to ask is well do you have any gear there yeah and being able to answer yeah and you know yes we can handle you know up to a mid-range kind of thing you could do something tomorrow or the next day if you need yeah but oh, it, that's cool you know, and, know but that opens that. the door yeah that's so that's cool. one of the things but so we've expanded we've found places to send our our equipment that's uh not the highest line but yeah you know we don't have to just simply liquidate it yeah and uh, that's worked well for us yeah that's really smart so but where do let me you also oh go on sorry well, I, I, well, I'm heartened by one thing I saw uh, just today. It said in the last quarter, regardless that we're coming out of all this, our last quarter, the GDP, they believe has nearly gone up 5%. We're in this battle over interest rates and the like, but uh, consumer shows no sign of stopping. And, you know, people are, are still getting jobs and things are, are marching ahead. And even though yeah. people go, oh my gosh, I, you know, interest rates are 8% for a house. Gosh, I've lived through 17.5% for a house. And uh, so to me, it's just um, cost of doing business and interest rate is deductible. Yeah, I I don't completely agree with your uh, views on that one. Like uh, to me, you know, the GDP thing is, is spin. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that you can make look really good. Um, and... Most of the people that I talk to are hurting a little bit, you know, like their rent has gone up, their mortgage has gone up tremendously, their wage has maybe either gone down or they're like in our industry, you're starting to see layoffs again. And, uh, mm. you know, that was unheard of a year ago. Like they would hire anyone that would walk in their front door. Now they're laying off again. And by they, I yep. mean, you know, sort of a cross section of manufacturers and, and even some rental companies. Most rental companies are still balls to the wall busy, right? But um, so I don't know, like I, you know, I used to be a really good predictor of things that were going to happen. Lately, I've been terrible, probably starting with COVID. So, you know, my, my famous uh, day 91 prediction and uh, uh, it was like 391 or whatever, right? But um I feel like our industry's got a bit of a hangover coming next year. And I just mm -hmm. feel like 2024 is going to be a tougher year in our industry. And for a number well, of reasons. It will be an election re uh, year too. And, mm -hmm. you know, people yeah. don't get motivated to make changes unless, you know, you're convinced that you're not happy right now well, either. So and there's so that things, in the background. So many things depend on the geopolitical climate and, and these wars that are going on and stuff. You know, like uh, while I was on this podcast, my my girlfriend texted me and said that they've uh, they've killed the Hamas leader. And so that's mm. probably not going to go over really well and, and going to cause, you know, some stuff to happen. And I don't know, man, I don't know where it's all going. I'm I'm so happy I have this 
house in a very tiny little town in Canada that I can go escape to, and nobody points nukes at this little town in Canada. Uh, so, and same with Hawaii. I don't. Th I think you're pretty safe on Hawaii, but I yeah. don't know. I think we're ground zero on some level, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, but you know, when, uh, what what else happened during the pandemic? Um, I found new blood. I had time to go, you know, looking on Facebook, seeing people posting various things. I've got a young lad, uh, Tyler, and I say young, he's less than half my age. He's still young. Yeah. Um, but uh, but he was really eager and posted things that he had done. And I brought, like like you, I kept thinking, oh, the pandemic, I, I would tell him, well, when this thing ends in a couple of months, you know, I'll bring you out here and yeah. he'll be here. I ended up bringing him here a dozen times before he finally came over a year, two years later. Really? And uh, so and what, finally, where moved. was he from? He was from the mainland, from yeah, he, in the U.S. Um, I want to say, well, he when I when I, when I picked him up, he was in Oregon, and oh, I brought okay. him here. Yeah, but he's he's been a huge asset. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things, if I had criticism in my business. It, it was people would say, love your business, love what you do, but you have no depth. What if you weren't available that day or something yeah. happened to you? Yeah. And, you know, what's going to happen to the obligation? Um, that's certainly increasing. Uh, that left me with having to look for that. And obviously it wasn't in the first year of the pandemic, but I would look around to find some somebody and he filled that bill. Yeah, I used and, to call uh, it the bus test. Like what happens if Marcel gets run over by a bus? <laughs> right you know it's the bus exactly. test you know does your does your business withstand the bus test and and it's yeah. hard you know for a business that you've run for 50 years literally 50 years uh it's tough you know and you, you don't have kids do you i do oh. um i've got i've got kids but they're this isn't their thing so yeah same with my son my son you know he's dabbled a little bit but he doesn't have any passion towards it. I mean, he's still a race car driver. That's part of the problem, but. Yeah, you know, um, I admire your son. I, yeah. I, I read all the time and, and try to keep track of what, what he's up to as, as many people that. do in this industry. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, you, that. You've exposed to that during, during COVID, you'd be telling us the stories of yeah. how Jeremy yeah. was uh, winning. <laughs> yeah. Nauseum. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I, that makes sense. Cause we're, we, we all talked about our kids. It was the thing yeah. we had control of yeah. kind of. But I, I told him all along, I've told him since he was, you know, 12, like, hey, if you want to get into my business, great. If you don't want to, I have no problem with that whatsoever. But it changes what your mindset has to be when you think about uh, succession, you know, and you do have to think about Got succession. It. We're not going to live forever, right? So everyone has to have a succession plan. And, you know, the only thing I've told my son is, you know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you own this company what are you going to do? And mm. he just looks at me like, <laughs> you know, with that sort of holy shit look in his face, right? Like, what are you saying, dad? So, yeah. Well, you know, he's, uh, he took a different route, yeah. but he's following his passion. Yeah. And that's, that's really that. no different than those of us who are here now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not here because we thought we were going to get rich in the lighting business. We're here because, you know, you loved it. You loved being part of a show. You loved looking up and house lights go dark and, you know, boom, your lights go on. And it's just like that, that sort of pinch me moment every night. Right. So, 
So kudos to you, like my father, you never taught him no. Yeah. Yeah. And that's worth a couple of years of education right there. Yeah. You know what? Like, I don't know if you know who Gary V is, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, big social media guy and marketing guy and stuff, really smart guy. But he always says that kind of stuff. Like he says, part of the problem with parenting is that parents try to put your kids like, okay, you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, then you're going to do this. And it's a very structured life. And, you know, college isn't what it sort of was one day. Like it's not, you know, college, you don't, it doesn't prepare you for real life in a sense. So, you know, I was actually happy when my son came to me and said, dad, I know you've, you've put aside all this money for college for me, but would you be upset if I don't go? And I said, hmm. not at all. I mean, if that's not what you want to do, then I don't care. You know, like, you know, this is your life. This, all I can do is sort of bring you to the water. You got to decide whether you want to drink or not. And uh, so, you know, I love kids who say, like my son's been living in England this whole year and he comes back in a couple of weeks and I know he's going to go stir crazy when he gets back here because he's lived in England for since February and, you know, you're not just going to come home and fall back into your old life. You're going to want to go somewhere else. And I said, so go right. somewhere else, <laughs> you know, pack up yep. and go somewhere else, go experience life. Cause by the time you're 25, 28, 30, you're going to be married. You're going to have kids on the way. Like all that stuff happens. And, you know, you may or may not get a chance to do what you're doing right now. So enjoy life. I think I, later. It's, so, it's so true. I mean, and particularly for creative arts, uh, certainly people have gone to school for it. Some people have done exceedingly well. Yeah. Um, but they, they also then had to be creative enough to s- distance themselves from the same teachings that everybody else in the room was taught. Yeah. If you're yeah. a standout, there's something about you. There's an entrepreneur in there. There's a creative spirit that drives you. But because of that, probably more so than in many industries uh, that, that we're into, if you've got that drive and you're only co- you realize your only competition is yourself, and you don't get caught up in the rest of it. Yeah. Um, you will succeed. Yeah. I, I really, I agree with you very much. I mean, I, you know, I think life isn't about getting deeper into the box. It's kind of about getting out of the box, you know, like if everybody's going here, maybe you should go over there, you know, check that out, see what it looks like. But, you know, to me, I don't like when people have their whole life figured out when they're 19 or 20 years old, because Mm. you're going to miss a lot of things. If you've decided everything you want to be and do by the time you're 20 years old, your brain isn't even fully developed, you know, like go figure it out, go learn some stuff first. And then, uh, and then go, you know what? I thought I wanted to be an astronaut, but now I really want to be a lighting guy or whatever, you know, like whatever it is. So yeah, no, that's cool. So uh, are you doing anything like, first of all, I forgot to say you're up for this Parnelli award, which uh, I think is 100% deserved and, and due and all of that stuff. Thank you. Um, and it coincides with your 50th year too, in, in, uh, with eggshell lighting 50 years old. Are you planning on doing anything big next year for? Oh, I will. I, uh, yeah. 
we will. I mean, it's, I, we used to throw large parties. Um, I'm sure it's been on pause for a number of years. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, but 50 years, you know, it happens once, you know, there, yeah. I'm hopefully, hopefully though, with the young people that I've got that are, that are growing into this, that there'll be a 75th and a hundredth too. And yeah. I hope they'll find some near black and white only because the colors faded shot of me and I'll might might be there someplace on a mantle, but we'll, well see. Do me a but, favor. But and no, invite, I've always, if there is a, if well, there's I like will. an event, a party, uh, weekend uh, whatever it is invite me and i can't promise i'll come but i i'd love to try at least because a i love hawaii and haven't been there in too long and uh and b i'd like to come celebrate with you too because that's the big thing like i don't know if you've done the research but how many 50 year old lighting companies are there out there not many not many and you know i can think at, of a few. at this point not a lot but i can yeah. think of a few like bandit and is upstaging 50? Yes. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Got to be just. Yeah. Yes. There's yeah, one yeah. more thing that, co that corresponds to next year. And that's going to be the 20th anniversary with my wife. Oh, wow. So I've got, so there's three major things happening in my life. The, the 50th anniversary on. of a company that I started from when I was a kid uh, that is now still doing really well in Hawaii yeah. and the anniversary of, uh, with my wife, um, yeah. which will also have to have its degree of celebration. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, can't overshadow and, that one. And then being nominated, you know, it's not just that we're up for the Parnelli award. I, uh, at this point we've already won Southwest and that's a huge part of America. And that's just, it isn't just Hawaii, it's Los Angeles, it's San Diego, it's Vegas, it's Phoenix, into Texas. Yeah, that's a big deal. And to be a, bo a boutique lighting company here to greet everybody when they finally get to paradise, that's just a life that can't be replicated. No kidding. No kidding. That's amazing, Bob. Well, you know what? I mean, I think that's kind of a perfect way to end this talk is uh is with that i mean you know to me what you got going on is is impressive it's exciting it it's huge uh you know i want to celebrate with you next year for the 50th i want to i don't usually go to the parnelli's now that it's at nam but uh i might actually go this year because there's other reasons that i need to be in la and uh so yeah i mean congratulations on all your success congratulations on life you know, hopefully you're completely healthy at this point in life, which is the most important thing. I'm, I'm doing pretty darn well. You look life good. Is, life is good. You look good. You look darn good, Bob. <laughs> you're taking good care of yourself. All right. Well, you always make me smile. That helps, too. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I will see you at, uh, at LDI. You shall. Aloha. Look forward to it. Aloha. Cheers, buddy. Thank you.